This is Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. The opinions voiced in Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Guests on Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome to Wealth Wake Up. Dick Donahue with you this Sunday morning here on KGMI. The question is, will higher interest rates tame inflation? We know many people think we're beating a dead horse, but this horse is far from dead. Instead, she's in the middle of one of the most important races of her life. What we have been talking about, and will keep talking about until we think Americans understand it, is monetary policy and the Federal Reserve. Ludwig von Mises once said that the value of money is at least as important as a society as its constitution. The value of money should be sacrosanct, and the government, if that's who's in charge of it, has a responsibility to keep it stable. Fourteen years ago, the Federal Reserve completely changed the way that it manages the value of our money when it shifted the monetary reserve policy from a scarce reserve model to an abundant reserve model, and we believe there's a direct connection between those actions and the dramatic decline in the value of our money, the likes of which we haven't seen in 40 years. Inflation undermines work, living standards, investments, and is a nightmare for future planning. The Fed has failed. In a scarce reserve model, the Fed can add or subtract reserves from the banking system and through its mechanism push the federal funds rate up or down. Banks compete in these reserves and through a market of bids and asks, set an interest rate for reserves. In an abundant reserve model, there are so many excess reserves that banks do not need to compete for them. The FFR is essentially zero because only in very special situations do bank needs to borrow reserves. So the Fed created an interest rate that it pays on excess reserves, the IOER, which acts as a floor for interest rates that rate is whatever the Fed decides that it is. In other words, while under the old system, the market was involved in setting interest rates, today the Fed now artificially sets interest rates. And as you might deduce, the government sets interest rates, likely to set them lower than they would be if markets decided what interest rates were correct. The Fed declares success when market rates move with its rates, but this is a test of determined outcome. If the Fed grew 5 trillion bushels of corn, and corn was so plentiful that the price per bushel was essentially zero, then no private farm could sell corn for more. If the Fed then raised the price of its corn to a dollar a bushel, farmers could then sell theirs for 99 cents a bushel, but it'd be completely a manipulated market. So while raising interest rates may reduce economic growth and may throw the U.S. into a recession, there is no guarantee that this is going to fix inflation. Interest rates don't determine inflation. The amount of money circulating in the economy determines inflation, and this is where the problem lies. The Fred's balance sheet held $850 billion in reserve at the end of 2007. Today, it's close to $9 trillion. Most of those deposits to the Fed are bank reserves, which the Fed created by buying Treasury bonds, much of which was money the Treasury itself handed out during the pandemic. At this point, if we add excess reserves to reverse repos, there is over $5 trillion in excess money in the system. Technically, banks can do whatever they want with these reserves, as long as they meet the capital and liquidity ratio requirements set by regulators. They can hold them at the Fed and get interest rates the Fed rate sets, or they can lend them out at the current market interest rates. In turn, the big question is whether the Fed can pay banks enough to stop them from lending in the private marketplace and multiplying the money supply. But we've never done this before. We've never tried to stop bank lending in an inflationary environment by just raising the IOER. What interest rate is enough? 
And when will politicians go bonkers over how much the Fed is paying the banks? After all, if we continue, how much the Fed pays private and foreign and domestic entities on both excess reserves and reverse repos at a 3% rate, it'll be $150 billion per year. If the Fed raises rates to 4% under this new method of managing monetary policy, it'll pay private entities $200 billion a year. Wait until politicians who love to hate banks find this out. Moreover, the Fed is now losing money on much of its bond portfolio because it bought so many bonds at low interest rates. At some point, the Fed will be paying out more in interest than it's earning on its securities. Jerome Powell was recently asked if he would ever go back to a scarce reserve model, and he said no way. He argued that because of the recent crisis, the 2008 financial crisis and the pandemic, that this new abundant reserve model is better. To be brief, government always uses crises to grow, and we would never have the inflation that we have today under the old model. Like the rest of the government, the Fed has become very, very way too big. Too many resources, too much power in the hands of so few is antithetical to free markets. To say that we're worried about this is an understatement. We just wish more people understood it and called the bank to task. The market should return to a scarce reserve model as soon as possible. And we feel like Don Quixote and we won't stop dreaming and screaming about it. Well, let's talk about the global roundup. We saw this week that hockey central banks are sending yields up and stocks down. Global equities were lower on the week after central banks worldwide aggressively tightened monetary policy, amplifying recession fears. After breaching 3.8% briefly on Friday morning, the yield on the U.S. 10-year Treasury note rose to 3.74% from 3.45% a week ago, the highest level since 2011. And the price of a barrel of Wex Texas Intermediate Crude Oil slipped below $80 on global growth concerns to $78.90 from $85.50 a week ago. Volatility as measured by the CBOE Volatility Index, or VIX, rose to 29 from 27.5 last Friday. And the Fed says it's going to raise rates quickly, stay higher longer. Markets expected a hockey message from the U.S. Federal Reserve on Wednesday, but, but they got more than they bargained for. As Chair Jerome Powell said that the path of interest rate hikes the Fed has planned will be enough to restore price stability. Many observants likened it will be enough to former European Central Bank President Mario Draghi's vow in 2012 to do whatever it takes to preserve the euro. The Federal Open Market Committee, in its summary of economic projections, laid out a hawkish path for rate hikes, one that would take the policy rate to 4.6% in 2023 and keep it there for some time. The FOMC also forecasts a 0.7% rise in the unemployment rate, which analysts see as a significant since historically a rise to a half a percent in unemployment rate was led to recession. In his post-meeting press conference, Powell reiterated that the longer inflation remains elevated, the greater the risk of becoming entrenched. He also underlined the importance of not cutting rates prematurely, having learned that costly lessons from mistakes of the 1970 policymakers. Reducing inflation will take a sustained period of below-trend growth and will likely require some softening in labor markets, Powell said. Such a combination often results in a recession which the Fed chair acknowledged will be a challenging to avoid. Powell also conceded that a housing market correction may be necessary to better balance supply and demand. All in all, a very sobering message for the markets. And in the wake of the FOMC meeting, U.S. yields have risen, with the two-year Treasury note reaching a yield of 4.2%, the highest yield since 2007, the benchmark 10-year note touching 3.82%, which is highest level since 2011, and the U.S. dollar added to recent gains after the Fed met, with the dollar index reaching a 20-year high. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI. We'll be back in a moment. The whole goal of preventative maintenance is to prevent problems. If you're going to have a program like that, you better be on it. You better be well-trained, have good people, communicate well, and do the job right. 
If you're not diving into that equipment and actually cleaning it, if you're just doing a surface clean, that's doing nothing for the client. And that's not what we do. You know, traditional gas furnaces, what people are used to is they just run in the background, they run for 30 years. But you know, they are not going to last 40 years anymore. There are safety standards in place, we're meeting incredible efficiency ratings, and with that there's some compromise, and the compromise is they need to be maintained. And if they're maintained, they're a great machine. Thorough maintenance on any unit at Mars Heating and Air Conditioning. Educating customers since 1965. Looking for vintage treasures and antiques? Bellingham Coin has got you covered. But did you know Bellingham Coin is also the prime place to go for precious metals? They pay top dollar for gold and silver, and there's never been a better time than right now to invest in silver to hedge against recession. The friendly staff at Bellingham Coin will teach you how to invest wisely in precious metals for a future that shines a little brighter. Come find your hidden treasures by visiting us at the Bellingham Coin Shop on Cornwall Avenue in Bellingham and at BellinghamCoin.com. Get informed and inspired with Saturday Morning Live on KGMI. Join a group of knowledgeable hosts as they present a variety of guests and viewpoints on issues important to our area and to you and your family. Sponsored by Asset Advisors, LLC, at Linden Sheet Metal, each Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. Welcome back to World Wake Up. Dick Donahue with you here on KGMI this Sunday morning. We're Asset Advisors. We're located out on the Pacific Highway. That's in the Pacific Commerce Center next to Wilson's Furniture. Uh, it's up north of the Slater Road. Anyway, uh, our address is 5060 Pacific Highway, Suite 101, Ferndale, 98248. My phone number is 360-733-1200. And check out our website at wealthwakeup.com. Now, getting down to crunch time with the Mariners. I still have got some tickets available for some of the home games. Next Thursday night, Texas. Next Friday night, Texas. The 3rd of October, that's a Monday, that's Detroit. And then the 5th of October, that's a day game. It's at 1.10 p.m., that's on a Wednesday, against Detroit. So, basically, next Thursday night, Friday night, Monday night the 3rd and Wednesday daytime on the 5th of October. I've still got four tickets and a parking pass available for the Mariners. And, of course, they're playing pretty good baseball, going to make it into the playoffs, it looks like. If you'd like tickets for one of those games, give us a call, 360-733-1200. That's four tickets and a parking pass. Hard to get parking passes right now. Anyways, 360-733-1200. Okay, continuing on with the global wrap-up. The central banks are racing to keep pace with the Fed. The Bank of England, up a half a percent. The Swiss National Bank, up a three-quarters of a percent. The Norway's Norgies Bank, up a half a percent. Central banks of Taiwan, up 0.125%. The Philippines, up a half a percent. South Africa, up three-quarters of a percent. All raised rates on Thursday. Switzerland's hike took its policy rate into positive territory, leaving the Bank of Japan as the lone global holdout in maintaining a negative interest rate policy. The Bank of Japan left its ultra-loose policy unchanged on Thursday, setting off a rise in the dollar to its highest level versus the yen since 1998, which prompted Japanese authorities to intervene in the currency market for the first time since that year to counter what the government called the speculative, one-sided nature of price movements. Historically, currency intervention without a corresponding shift in monetary policy has proven ineffective over the medium to long term. 
After hiking rates three-quarter percent earlier this month, ECB President Christine Lagarde said this week that inflation has been shown to be more resilient than expected and that further rate increases are expected over coming meetings. On Tuesday, Sweden's Riksbank raised its benchmark lending rate by more than expected 1% to 1.75%. And the U.S. housing market bears the brunt of Fed policy. Freddie Mac's 30-year U.S. mortgage averaged 6.29% this week, which is the highest reading since 2007, putting additional downward pressure on an already struggling sector. For instance, this week, the National Association of Home Builders market index fell for the ninth straight month to 46 after beginning the year at 84. And while U.S. housing starts edged up in August and increased multifamily building, sales of existing homes fell for the seventh month in a row. The median sale price of a U.S. existing home fell for the second month, running to 389500 down from a peak of $413,800 in June. That's over $24,000 in that period of time. Markets unimpressed by the United Kingdom's mini-budget. The new British Chancellor of Executor, Quasi Quarting, unveiled a package of tax cuts and regulatory reforms on Friday morning that has been poorly received by markets so far. With inflation in the United Kingdom running close to 10%, investors fear that a looser fiscal stance will worsen the inflation backdrop. In the wake of the announcement, the British pound fell close to $1.10, the lowest since 1985, while 10-year UK guild deals rose an astounding 30 basis points on the news that the FTSE 10 slumped nearly 2%. Markets are pricing in nearly 100 basis points. That would be a 1% rise in the Bank of England's policy rate of its November meeting following a half a point hike this last Thursday. And some of the quick hits, soaring U.S. real yields continue to weigh on risky assets. The real yield on U.S. 10-year tips reached 1.36% on Friday, which is its highest level since 2010. And the right-of-center coalition is expected to gain a majority in both chambers for Italy's parliament after the election on the 25th of September. Giorgia Meloni, the leader of the Brothers of Italy, is likely to become the country's first female prime minister, replacing former ECB president Mario Draghi. And in a 60-minute interview this last Sunday, U.S. President Joe Biden repeated that the U.S. would defend Taiwan in the case of an attack by China, said he would block U.S. investment in China if Beijing were to support Russia against Ukraine. Biden also declared that the pandemic is over. And Canadians' consumer price index declined to 7% year-over-year, following the 7.3% consensus forecast. Core inflation fell to 5.7% from an upwardly revised 6%. German producer prices posted record 45.8% jump from a year ago in August as energy prices rose 175% over that period. Excluding energy, prices still rose 14%. And the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta's GDP Now model forecasts that the U.S. economy will grow only three-tenths of one percent in the third quarter, following two negative quarters to start the year. And four Russian-controlled areas of Ukraine will conduct referendums this week on whether to join Russia. Earlier this week, Russian President Vladimir Putin authorized a partial mobilization of military reserves and then implied that he would use nuclear weapons if the territorial integrity of Russia, including the likely-to-be-annexed areas, is threatened. And the Wall Street Journal reported this week that the European manufacturers are increasingly shifting output to their U.S. operations due to prohibitively high European energy prices. U.S. weekly jobless claims continue to signal U.S. labor market resilience, hovering near a four-month low. And the Conference Board's index of leading indicators came in at minus three in August, up from a downwardly rise minus five in July. The Euro Area Flash Composite Purchasing Managers Index for September fell 0.7 to 48.2. The United Kingdom Composite fell to 48.4 from 49.6 in August. And in Australia, the Composite edged to 50.8 from 50.3. In the United States, it unexpectedly rose to 49.3 in September from 44.6 in August as activity in the U.S. services sector bounced back. 
and the yield on two-year German government bonds rose 40 basis points. That would be four-tenths of one percent this week, the largest one-week move since 1990. And the U.S. 10-year Treasury yield curves headed toward the end week at minus 0.47 percent, its most inverted since 2000. The two-year note yielded around 4.919 is its highest since September of 2007. And looking at that housing starts report that came out this week, following a string of weak reports, the U.S. housing starts rose unexpectedly in August despite relatively high mortgage rates, labor shortages, and ongoing supply chain issues. Looking at the details of the news was that the single-family construction rose 3.4% for the first gain in six months. Meanwhile, the majority of the gain came from multi-unit starts, which jumped 28%. It is clear that developers are becoming more cautious about future demand for single-family projects, with 30-year mortgage rates now above 6% and are continuing to focus resources on apartment buildings instead. Over the past year, single-family starts are down 14.6% versus multi-unit starts, which were up in the past year 33.1%. We expect starts to resume a trend of downward in the next several months. Lots of homes are already in the pipeline, with a number of homes under construction at the highest level in record since 1970. These figures illustrate a slowing construction process due to a lack of workers and other supply chain difficulties. In this context, it's not surprising to see new building permits decline 10% in August. The backlog of projects that have been authorized but not yet started is currently just below a record high since the series began back in 1999. But meanwhile, home builder sentiment as measured by the NHEB housing index is deteriorating. The index fell for the ninth consecutive month to 46 in September. An index rating below 50 signals that more builders view conditions as poor versus good. The prime concern continues to be higher mortgage rates, which are having a negative impact on potential sales, as certain buyers are at least temporarily priced out of the market, leaving some builders with surplus of inventory. In spite of all this, we do not expect a housing bust nearly as harsh as in the 2000s. Unlike the previous housing bust, we do not have a massive oversupply of homes. Dick Donahue with you as well. Wake up here on KGMI. We'll be back shortly. We don't have the usual traffic jams that they have in the big city, but sometimes things happen to snarl everything up. Depend on KGMI to keep you cruising to your destination with KGMI traffic alerts. We'll tell you where the trouble spots are. And if you see problems on the road, give us a call at 360-676-5464 so we can spread the word. KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM, and KGMI.com. Bringing the world to Whatcom County and Northwest Washington. The People's Republic of China. They're launching the first pieces of their own space station. The John Bachelor Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 10. They're going to use what they learn in, in constructing this station and having people live on it to plan their uh, manned interplanetary ship and to do it as quickly as possible. On KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com. My name is Marcus Vierta, and I manage a small business here in Whatcom County called Western Solar. Every day I see firsthand the impact good jobs have on the lives of people. Sharon Shoemake is an economist and a mom who brings practical, real-life experience to the state Senate. I became an economist to help people. Now I'm running for state Senate to fix our broken housing market, create jobs, lower taxes on working people, and build an economy that works for everyone. Paid for by People for Sharon, Democrat. What makes your team look more professional and carry a bold statement that they're proud to work for your company? A crisp company logoed shirt or uniform from Bergen. Sun is shining and I feel so good. Whatcom County's local logo apparel experts. Bergen pairs their commitment to personal service with professional results, specializing in embroidery, heat application, screen printing, and all kinds of logoed promotional products. Your company apparel should reflect the standards of your business. And when your team wears Bergen's customized apparel, it will. Bergen's new owners understand the importance of your image. They go the extra mile to provide crisp logo apparel. They guarantee that the order will be completed on time to your specific 
specifications with a smile. Elevate your company brand with Bergen Customized Company Apparel. From polos to sweatshirts, ball caps to bags, and more, Bergen does it all. Give them a call to get a quote within 24 hours or stop by the showroom Monday through Thursday on Iron Gate in Bellingham and online at bergenembroidery.com. Is an injury, accident, or pain keeping you from the activities you enjoy most? This is Dr. Jeanette Penner, a physical therapist and owner of Capstone Physical Therapy. Our Capstone team of physical therapists want to help get you to the activities you enjoy and living life pain-free. Whether you're limited by a sports injury, work injury, an accident, surgery, or any other pain-causing or life-altering condition, our therapists will take the time to listen and understand your condition and create a treatment plan to help you reach your goals. We have specialty providers for hand therapy, women's health, sports rehabilitation, and an LNI-approved return-to-work program. We recently opened new clinics in Fairhaven, Ferndale, and Birch Bay. With seven locations in Whatcom County, a Capstone Physical Therapy Clinic is always close when you need us most. Capstone Physical Therapy, voted best of the Northwest for the past four years, with locations in Fairhaven, Barkley, Cordata, Ferndale, Linden, Birch Bay, and Blaine. Learn how Capstone Physical Therapy can help you today at capstonept.com. Enjoy your retirement at Meadow Greens, a retirement community offering warm, welcoming, independent, and assisted living apartments. Located on a premier golf course in beautiful Linden with panoramic views of green rolling hills and snow-capped mountains, Meadow Greens offers a fitness center, wellness programs, tailored social and recreational activities, and complimentary unlimited golf play with cart at Homestead Golf Club. One- and two-bedroom apartments with full kitchens are available, offering the freedom of eating in or enjoying a more social meal at the Outward Nine Restaurant or the Duck Hook Bistro. Then relax with a glass of wine with friends or cozy up next to the fireplace with a good book in the library lounge. Meadow Greens can also be of help when it's time to transition from an independent apartment to assisted living. Call Meadow Greens today to arrange a private tour at 354-8200 and online at meadowgreenslinden.com. The grass is always greener at Meadow Greens. We don't have the usual traffic jams that they have in the big city, but sometimes things happen to snarl everything up. Depend on KGMI to keep you cruising to your destination with KGMI Traffic Alerts. We'll tell you where the trouble spots are. And if you see problems on the road, give us a call at 360-676-5464 so we can spread the word. KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM, and KGMI.com. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. A properly operating furnace will guarantee that you stay comfortable as the seasons change. Contact West Mechanical Heating, Air Conditioning, and Electric for a system inspection today at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up. Dick Downey here with you this Sunday morning here on KGMI. Continuing on with the economic reports of the week, we saw that August existing home sales fell for the seventh month in a row, posting the longest streak of decline since 2007. However, the decline in August was also the smallest so far this year at just 0.04%. And while it's too early to be certain, sales look like they may be beginning to stabilize. Falling affordability has played a major role in the recent string of weak reports. The prime culprit is the surge in mortgage rates, which are now above 6% for the first time since 2008. And while financing costs remain a burden, the good news is that median prices fell for the second month in a row in August. Part of this is just seasonality. Prices typically begin to fall near the end of the summer buying season, but at least buyers aren't getting squeezed at both ends anymore. Moreover, the median price growth in the last year has slowed to 7.7% from a peak of 25.2% in May of 21. That said, when do you do the math? It's hard to see why home sales have slowed down so rapidly. Assuming a 20% down payment, the rise in mortgage rates and home prices since December amounts to a 48% increase in monthly payments on a new 30-year mortgage for the median existing home. The report also showed that the inventory of existing homes in the market remains tight. 
Available listings fell slightly in August and were flat from a year ago. The best way to look at the data given the seasonality of the housing market. While this is still a notable improvement following 36 straight months of annual declines ending in June, don't expect a flood of new listings to materialize anytime soon. Many homeowners locked in mortgage rates at rock-bottom levels during the pandemic and are unlikely to brave a 3% increase in financing costs by re-entering the market to trade up. What is really impressive is that despite the lack of options, demand remains strong, with buyer urgency so high in August that 81% of existing homes sold were on the market for less than a month. And while sales are clearly under pressure, this is not a repeat of 07 and 09, and we do not foresee a widespread collapse in home sales, even with higher mortgage rates, though it's likely that existing home sales will wind up lower in 2022 than they were last year. Let's go ahead and summarize that Fed report that came out. The Federal Reserve once again voted unanimously to raise rates by three-quarters of a percentage point, 75 basis points, bringing the target for the federal rates rate to three to three and a quarter percent, and signaled expectations for continued hikes ahead. The statement also accompanied by an updated forecast from the Fed, the infamous dot plots, which show the more aggressive path of rate hikes throughout this year and 2023. The forecasts, however, are a very different story, with changes across the board. From an economic perspective, the Fed now sees growth slower, unemployment rising faster, and inflation running slightly higher through the remainder of 22 and throughout next year. This forces the Fed to make a choice. Do they focus on supporting the weakening economic outlook or prior towards the fight against inflation that stands at levels that they last saw nearly 40 years ago? The dot plots show a notable shift higher in the expected path of high rate hikes as we're moving forward, with federal funds rate now forecast to end this year at around 4.4%, a full percentage point above the June forecast of 3.4%. That suggests another 75 basis point hike is most likely scenario at their next meeting in November, followed by a half a point hike in December. And the Fed expects a single quarter point hike in 23, likely to start the year, affording to starting to ease, but not until 2024. While we much prefer Chair Powell to Chair Paul Volcker rather than Arthur Burns, we have our reservations on the Fed's dealing. The biggest concern over the Fed's activities has nothing to do with the fact that they published or said, but rather that they continue to ignore. The M2 money supply is and has been the biggest factor in inflation, yet Powell and his committee statement didn't mention it once, and nor did a reporter ask a question on the topic. And while Powell was questioned on the topic at a recent conference by the Cato Institute, he brushed the idea off and continued to push the same tired model of inflation drivers that have left the Fed well behind the curve and constantly revising forecasts higher. The bottom line is it's good that the Fed has prioritized the fight against inflation, but it remains over-optimistic in how quickly it'll get inflation back under control, especially as the tools they have to tame inflation are like using a drill to hammer a nail. Following growth of M2, which is thankfully slowed and must remain low for the foreseeable future, the guidance on the path forward from here. Let's talk about five top IRA reminders for the end of this year. So missing the year-end deadline for some IRA transactions could mean missing out on tax-saving opportunities or being subject to excise tax. So if you're one of 60 million-plus individuals with an IRA, you might need to complete certain transactions by the end of this year. And meeting this deadline could mean taking advantage of tax planning strategies or avoiding IRS-assessed excise tax for the year. The following is a high-level overview of five common IRA transactions that are usually required to be completed by the end of the year. Number one is RMDs. If you're at least 72 by year-end, so if you own a traditional SEP, IRA, simple IRAs, traditional IRA, or at least 72 by December 31st of this year, you must take your required minimum distribution from your IRA for the year. 
Generally, the RMD for an IRA owner must be distributed from the IRA by the end of the year. There is one exception there. If you turn 72 this year, you get an extended deadline to April 1st of next year. This April 1st date, April 1st after the year in which you reach 72, is your required beginning date. The required beginning date is the deadline by which an IRA owner must start taking required minimum distributions. But what happens if you miss that deadline? If you miss your deadline, you're going to owe the IRS an excise tax of 50% on any shortfall. For example, if your RMD is $10,000 and you withdraw withdraw only $5,000 by December 31st or April 1st of next year, if you just reach 72 this year, you're going to own the IRS an excise tax of $2,500, which is 50% of that $5,000 shortfall. Now, your RMD notices. Your custodian must send you an RMD notice by January 31st of each year, which you're supposed to take and how much you have to take out. Your notice should include either your calculated RMD amount or an offer to calculate the amount upon request. You must provide a copy of your RMD notice to your tax advisor, so you may review your RMD calculation provided by your IRA custodian and make adjustments if necessary. RMDs, however, do not apply to Roth IRAs. Second thing by the end of the year, RMDs for inherited IRAs. If you inherited an IRA, you might need to take an RMD from that IRA. Whether you must take an RMD as a beneficiary is determined by multiple factors, including your relationship with the owner of the IRA, whether the IRA was inherited before 2020, and whether the IRA owner died before they were required to start making their own RMDs. Beneficiary RMDs apply to both traditional IRAs and Roth IRAs. If your IRA custodian is not required to calculate your RMD on inherited IRAs, so then that means you've got to make sure somebody's doing it and doing it right. If the owner <clears throat> died this year and was supposed to take an RMD but did not, you're going to need to take that RMD. That RMD is calculated as if the owner lived through the end of the year. The deadline for taking that RMD, which the owner should have taken, is the end of the year. So if somebody, if you inherited an IRA, somebody died this year, they're required to take an RMD, you need to take that money out of the IRA. However, that 50% excise tax is waived if you take it by your tax funding period due next year for this year plus extension. So you do have to take it, though, so be really careful on that. If the IRA owner, IRA owner died before this year, you're required to take an RMD this year only under following circumstances. Number one, we have what we call the five-year rule. And the five-year rule applies and the five-year periods ends this year. The terms of the IRA agreement could require that the five-year rule apply to the IRA owner if he died before 2020 and the death occurred before the IRA owner's required beginning date. Under the five-year rule, distributions are optional until the end of the fifth year. So if you're under the five-year rule, you basically have up until the end of that fifth year following death to take out that money. There's certain circumstances where that applies. So at that time, you must take out the entire balance. 2020 is not counted for this purpose. And because RMDs were waived for 2020, as a result, the five-year period would end this year if the IRA was inherited in 2016. In that case, the entire balance that remains at the end of the year would be an RMD. And if life expectancy rule applies, now the life expectancy means that distributions must be taken over the beneficiary's life expectancy. Unless the owner dies on or after the required beginning date and has a life expectancy is longer than the beneficiary's, in which case the owner's life expectancy would be used to calculate the RMDs. We do a lot of these calculations, so I know some of this stuff's confusing when I'm giving it to you on the radio, but got questions, you can always sit down with us. We'll be glad to help you with it. So when the life expectancy rule applies, distributions must begin by December 31st of the year that follows the year in which the IRA owner died. So check with the IRA custodian to determine which RMD rules apply to the IRA that you inherited. Like IRA owners, beneficiaries will owe the IRS a 50% excise tax on any RMD that's not taken. Again, some confusion on this. you got questions. You're not sure your custodian is giving you the right information. Feel free to call us, 360-733-1200. I'm going to come back and continue talking about IRA distributions, including charitable distributions. 
You need a job? Go to HireMeWa.com. HireMeWa.com is a hyper-local job board. It's free and easy to use. Just go to HireMeWa.com now for the latest openings. You can apply right there. Don't see what you want? Post your resume and let prospective employers find you. HireMeWa.com, the go-to job board for Northwest Washington. Sponsored by Bellingham Cold Storage. Earn a $2,000 signing bonus plus competitive pay. Multiple jobs available now at BCS in Bellingham. See HireMeWa.com for details and apply today. This is Heidi Person, General Manager of the Cascade Radio Group, with a look at some good news in our community that we like to call the upside. The Whatcom Dispute Resolution Center is a local nonprofit dedicated to providing constructive and collaborative approaches to conflict. This fall, the WDRC is honoring five remarkable individuals, organizations, and projects at the 19th Annual Peace Builder Awards on October 21st. Each of the award winners represents unique, collaborative, and important efforts, like the education award which is being presented to Daniel Anderson at Assumption School for his dedication to students and families impacted by COVID-19. For a complete list of award winners and information on the virtual gala, visit whatcomdrc.org. The Upside is brought to you from a grant provided by Bayside Coin and Jewelry. They are the largest buyer and seller of gold and silver in the Northwest. Bayside Coin and Jewelry in the Iowa Business Park. If you have good news to report, email it to us at theupside at cascaderadiogroup.com. There's a lot going on right now, and broadcasters are on the ground covering all of it, bringing you the weather, the traffic, and breaking news, all while entertaining you 24 hours a day. Someone needs to tell you what's going on around the world and in our hometowns, and that someone is us. We are free radio. We are always there. We are broadcasters. Visit wearebroadcasters.com or text radio to 52886 to learn more. Furnished by NAB and this station. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the USA Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up. Dick Donnie here with you this Sunday morning. Again, if you got questions for us, give us a call, 360-733-1200. I'm going to continue to talk about the top five IRA reminders for the year-end 2022. The third topic is qualified charitable distributions. We talk about these and we do a lot of them. But if you're at least age 70 and a half, you can make a qualified charitable distribution from your traditional or Roth IRA, including beneficiary IRAs. A QCD is excluded from your income if it meets certain requirements. These include, it must be distributed from your IRA on or after the date that you reach 70 and a half. So you have to be 70 and a half, not the year that you turn 70 and a half. It must be payable to an eligible charity. It must be made from an IRA. Any IRA, including inherited IRAs, qualify unless the IRA is a SEP or a SIMPLE that receive a SEP or SIMPLE contribution during the year. A QCD must leave the IRA by December 31st to count for this year. If you're at least 72, you can use your QCD to qualify your RMD. So let's say that your RMD is $15,000 for the year and you want to give $5,000 to charity, you give $5,000 to charity. That means that your taxable distribution becomes $10,000. That's $15,000 minus that $5,000. But for this to work, the QCD must be distributed before other distributions that would satisfy your RMD. So you can't go out there at the end of the year after you've done your RMDs and call up and say, gee, we want to do a QCD now. You have to take out that money before you do your RMD. And if you made a deductible IRA, traditional IRA contribution for the year that you reach 70 and a half or after, you let your tax preparer know as the non-taxable portion of your QCD might be need to be reduced by these deductible contributions. So that is something where you can't just take money out and turn right back around and donate. You've got to be careful on that one too. Fourth point for the year end are SEP, SEP distributions or 72T payments, avoiding that 10% early distribution penalty. If you take distributions from your IRA before you reach 59 and a half, they're subject to that 10% additional tax, early distribution penalty, unless you qualify for an exception. One of those exceptions is distributions taken under what we call a substantially equal periodic payment program, commonly referred to as a 72T payment, after the section of the governing tax code. 
SEP or 72T programs are subject to strict set of rules, one of which is that any amount for the year under the program must be taken by the end of the year, and failure to take any required amount by the deadline could result in disqualification of your SEP program. Any disqualification of the SEP program could result in all penalties that were waived under the program being owed to the IRS. Basically, what an S-SEP program does, or 72T program, if you're under the age of 59 and a half, you can start taking out substantially equal payments. That's what that stands for. And you have to do it for a minimum of five years or till you're 59 and a half. So let's say you're 56, you would have to do it to keep those payments the same until you're 61. One way we get around the problem there, sometimes people are taking out money and all of a sudden they need extra money for one reason or another, we go ahead and separate your IRAs and take the 72T payment out of one IRA and then leave the other IRA alone. And then all of a sudden, if you have an emergency case where you need money, you can go in and dip it out of that other IRA. Done a lot of 72Ts over the year too. So that's something to think of and take a look at. Now, the fifth before the year-end planning thought is Roth IRA conversions. Taking advantage of tax-free growth, converting assets from a traditional IRA to a Roth would result in any subsequent earnings being tax-free once they're eligible to be a qualified distribution. A distribution is qualified if it's taken at least five years after you fund your first Roth IRA, and you're at least 59 and a half or disabled or withdrawing up to $10,000 as a first-time homebuyer purposes. In exchange, income tax on any pre-tax amount included in the conversion must be paid the year that the conversion is done by the tax filing due date. This opportunity is a tax-efficient trade-off for paying the income tax now for those of whom a Roth is more suitable than a traditional IRA. Ideally, suitability assessment should be done to determine if a Roth IRA conversion is good for you. Assets must leave the traditional IRA by December 31st for the Roth conversion in order for it to apply this year. One point on that one while we're talking about it is if you're going to do that Roth conversion, it might be a great time to sit down. We, we have a tax program. We can scan your tax return in, run a copy of your tax return, and do a side-by-side comparison. Or if you want to do a Roth conversion, we can sit there and say, well, if you convert $50,000 to an IRA or to a Roth IRA, this is what's going to happen to your taxes. Now, why would you want to do it? Well, this year with the market drop like it's been, if you've got an account that's dropped that much, Maybe it's time to sit down and talk about a Roth IRA conversion, convert that money over to a Roth, and when the market comes back, that growth there is all tax-free. Something to think about. Okay, now, some financial institutions have earlier deadlines. While the statutory deadline for these transactions is December 31st, some financial institutions have earlier deadlines. These earlier deadlines are established to help ensure that they can handle the influx of requests that are usually submitted as it gets closer to the end of the year. Those with deadlines earlier than December 31st must still often guarantee that requests received by a particular deadline will be completed by the end of the year. Requests received after their deadlines are usually completed, but on a best efforts basis. So if you want more information on this, let us help you, because we try to provide this as basically as a high-level overview. The solutions are usually profile-based. That means they're based on the individual needs. What applies to you might be different than what applies to others. And if there's any other IRA transaction that applies to you, don't hesitate to contact us for assistance. Again, our phone number, 360-733-1200. Something we'd love to work with you on, love to talk about. Okay, well, I've seen some interesting reports come out here. I'll kind of run through a couple of them and see where we can get here before the end of the show. But one is that retiring in 2022 is becoming a challenge. This year is not a good time to retire, according to the 2022 Global Retirement Index. But the future can be better if people take action. If you're retiring this year, you're going to feel pressure. You are taking more money out of a smaller pool because of inflation and market volatility. But that does not mean that the future situation can't turn around. And the challenge for those who have not yet retired is to decide when they can. According to the Global Retirement Index, which has been in an erosion of the financial security and material well-being of U.S. retirees, the U.S. dropped one place to 18 out of 44 developed countries ranked in the index to overall retirement readiness. 
The index is based on a number of factors, including such things as finances, the cost of health care, climate conditions, the state of governance, the general happiness of the population. The index rankings are then split into four categories that are ranked separately in the U.S. and did not come out on the top 10. For any of them, it ranked 11 for finances and retirement, 17th for health, 21st for the quality of life, and 30th for material well-being. The U.S. fell in this year's overall rankings largely because of government debt, taxes, and a huge number of aging baby boomers now in the entering retirement, according to the report. This year in particular, Americans face steep market losses, inflation, interest rate hikes, all of which made this year one of the worst on record in which to retire. Three-quarters of Americans have accepted the conclusion that they'll largely be responsible for funding their own retirement. Solutions to the retirement security crisis will be increasingly difficult for the U.S. and other countries with a pay-to-as-you-go retirement system such as Social Security. Norway earned the first place for overall retirement security this year, followed by Switzerland and Iceland. The remainder of the top 10 countries were Ireland, Australia, New Zealand, Luxembourg, the Netherlands, Denmark, and the Czech Republic. The U.S. has never made the top 10 in the 10 years that the index has been compiled. Getting retirement security right so that people can live with dignity after their working years is a core sustainability issue for society and one of the most important mandates for governments and the financial industry. The biggest mistakes people who are still in their working years make regarding retirement and understanding how long they will live, the impact of inflation, being too conservative in investments, overestimating investment income, and forgetting to factor in health care costs, according to the report. Retirement security challenges often come home to roost. Inflation has been the long-sleeping giant of worries for retirees, and now is at the apex of retirement security threats and the rate hikes the Federal Reserve and other central banks are implementing to quell inflation and further compounding the problem. To help make the future less frightening for retirees, young employee workers should save at least a little and should take advantage of the automatic escalators and employer-sponsored retirement plans. Older workers should be prepared to work longer than they anticipated, and they should take advantage of catch-up payments that are allowed in retirement plans. This has been Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up here in KGMI. I thank you for being with us. Don't forget, I got Mariners tickets for the last homestand, several games, Wednesday and Thursday of the last homestand, that Monday and Wednesday of the last homestand. So those four games, I still got four tickets and a parking pass. Give me a call. Love to share them with you. Thanks, and have a great week. Don't forget our live show on Saturdays at 11 o'clock. Take care. voiced in Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Guests on Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, a registered investment advisor.